Tonight we're going to do a teaching on the world is in crisis, war with Russia. God is still in control above everything else that's going on. This is going to be done a little bit different tonight. It's going to be uh, slides because I want you to be able to pay attention to everything that's being said so you won't be distracted by the up and the down. What this war right now is not, it is not Ezekiel 38 and 39. And so many people are saying that. Why? Let's read Ezekiel 38, 18. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. So, you can put the map up. People on the right, you can look. This is Ukraine. This is Israel. Just by those simple facts right there, this is not Ezekiel 38, 39. And on the left, Ukraine, the country, and Israel. Hopefully this will help clear this up when you see different things that are going on. Matthew 24, 3-8. Signs of the times of the end. Next slide. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives and disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And the end, and of the end of the age... Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Ukraine and Russia are in the spotlight on the world scene, and there is a possibility that this could draw the world into World War III. Next slide. This is a prophetic word that God gave Pastor Barbara in 2016. Daughter, there are some things that cannot be overlooked. And this thing with Russia and China are one of those things. The plans have been in motion for quite some time now, and the time is growing closer and closer for this war to break out. I have spoken to some prophets about this event, but some are afraid to discuss it, and others are just sitting back and seeing if it really comes to pass. Next slide. America has paid a high price for their lead, and a higher price is going to be required of them in the years ahead. America has been my Israel, and I have protected her, and I have multiplied her in every area. But now she has turned her back on me. Some are and have turned around and are facing me, but more have not. The price is going to be high, but well worth everything in the end. Church, be encouraged. For you are the forerunners for this great influx of souls, 
and you shall see many signs, wonders, and miracles occur all across this nation. It sure is breakthrough and miracle working time. So here God said something was going to be going on with Russia and China. China's next for something else to happen. And everyone is speculating right now that they're going to try to take Taiwan. So we're going to watch and see. There's other prophetic words that God's given Pastor Barbara about a war between Russia and the United States. And we're watching and waiting for those things to come to pass as well. Come away, my beloveds, and sit at my feet and allow me to feed you the fresh manna that you have need of. God has shown Pastor Barbara at other times that there was going to be a war with Russia and the United States. So let's talk about Russia and the Ukraine conflict that's going on right now. So this is the nation of Ukraine on the right outlines. This is Russia over here. This is Belarus in Romania. For everyone else on this side here, here's the Ukraine. Russia's over here, Belarus, Romania. When they were the United Soviet Socialist Republic, all of these countries and in, in states were one. In 1991, they split. They split and became uh, separate nations. Some of them agreed to stay together under Russia's control. Some of them said, we want to do our own thing, and Russia gave them permission to do that. Right now, when it comes to reporting on what is really happening in the Ukraine, we are not being told the exact truth. The Ukraine became an independent nation in 1991 when it voted to split from the Soviet Union. The Ukraine had over 28 regions at one time, and one of those regions was Crimea, down here, and Crimea on the other side over here. So, Crimea started looking and seeing what was going on with Ukraine, and they no longer wanted to be a part of the Ukraine because the leadership had changed. They had changed from Christian to Islamic, and they were starting procedures and practices to torture and torment the Christians that were in Crimea. So the citizens of Crimea called out to Russia and said, hey, we don't want to be a part of this. We need your help. Russia, Vladimir Putin, came in and said, we understand, and we're coming to the rescue. What was told to us in the news was that Russia wanted more lands. So they came and took Crimea over. This is not the truth. They came in at the request of the Crimean people and took it over. Today, what's going on is there's two more provinces that have said the same thing. Luhansk and Donetsk. Just so you can see on this side here. These two provinces here. They want to be protected by Russia as well because the leadership of the Ukraine is totally Islamic and they are trying to destroy the Christians that are in that area. As bad as Joseph Stalin and the Communist Party was, there was a recognition of an important truth by Vladimir Putin 
that not many people know. The old Russia as we know it has a history of losing wars to Muslims. Muslims not only plagued other nations of the world, but they also plagued Russia. When Stalin rose to power, he made the Muslims pay for the abuses that were done to the Jews. So in World War I and World War II, there were Russians who were part of the old USSR that were going in working with the Nazis. This has started back up again in Ukraine, in other countries in this area. So the ones who are seeking help are from Russia are trying to stop this from happening to them. You know, the, the Christians being killed in there. After Stalin died, the policy changed. It changed towards Russia didn't, didn't torment these people. Sorry, I missed a step. For hundreds of years, Crimea has been the home of Tatars, a group of Turkic speakers who lived under the Ottoman Empire until Catherine the Great annexed the region. In 1944, Stalin deported 200,000 Tatars, 200,000 Muslims, to Siberia and Central Asia as punishment for what they did to the Jewish people. So he pretty much killed all of them off. He wanted them all to be uh, held accountable for what they did. In recent years, they have risen, grown back up in strength, and they remember the Muslims that were Crimeans and Ukrainians remember what was done to them. And they're, they want nothing to do with Russia. They want nothing to do with the language of Russia. They want nothing to do with Christianity. They have wholeheartedly turned away from God. Let's go to slide seven. This is hard for us to believe because all our lives, most of us have been to told Russia was bad. Russia was evil. And Russia was doing wrong things. And they were. But a change has taken place within the people. And that change is reflected in this poll. In a Pew Research poll in 2015, the following was discovered. Ukraine is an overwhelmingly Orthodox Christian nation. With nearly 8 in 10 adults identifying as Orthodox, compared with 71% in Russia. So 71% of the people in the new Russia, the new government that's running Russia, are Christians. You don't hear this in the news. It's not being talked about in the news. Because what we have going on in the news right now is globalism and globalization. Everybody in the world is, not everybody, 90% of the people, countries, leaders, have gotten together, made a pact, saying we want to have one world government, one world church, and one world religion. They have done this on the side. They've been doing this for years. And each year it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So the things that are going on behind the scenes, we are unaware of as Americans because we're not paying attention and our news is not reporting this to us on a regular basis. The Christian community is not aware of this because we're still living in the past 
in our understanding of what's going on in Europe and in, in the entire world, where America focused. Not a bad thing in some degrees, but it is bad in another degree, where we're able to be deceived by what's really going on in Russia, what's really going on in different places around the world. So, and I know my thought process was, so what, they're Christian, so what, they're Orthodox Christian. The United States is claiming Christianity as well. Well, if you look at the lifestyle change that has taken place in the nation of Russia, in this, the subsidiaries that are, had have joined Russia, they don't believe in all of this degradation that we, we see. They don't believe in all of this transgender, the homosexuality, uh, not being married, having children out of wedlock. They have transformed their country, and they have completely started following Christ. Which is, if you look at, I remember Perry Stone telling this story that Mikhail Gorbachev's mom would bake him cakes and say, you're going to set the Russian Jews free when he was a child. So what did Mikhail Gorbachev do before he left office? He made a way and opened the door that the Russian Jews were able to return back to Israel. That's when the wall fell in Berlin, in Russia, in the Soviet Union, as we knew it, as we know it, fell apart. I know this is, this is different, this is heavy, but we have to understand what's really been going on behind the scenes right now because the truth is there's been a flip the United States has become Russia, and Russia has become the United States in a degree. Because of our sin natures, our activities, the things that we're permitting. So, let's talk about Vladimir Putin. Right now, the world is pointing a finger at him saying he wants to take all of this land for himself. He wants to destroy anything that's good in Ukraine, and he wants to take it for himself. They're not looking at the truth that he has a big army. He only put 150,000 troops on the border. When he went in there this week, he didn't destroy everything which he had at his fingertips. He has the ability to be able to do that. He only hit strategic military targets. And they are now coming to find out that these targets were chemical plants and manufacturing plants that the United States had built over there to start creating another virus. So he attacked them and stopped them from doing this as a part of his plan to help save his people because they know that this virus stuff is being made up. And unfortunately, we're, we're the ones that's making it and turning it against the world. We have influences that are outside of the United States that have taken control of our government and they are trying to bring about this one world system, this one world government that's tied to the Antichrist spirit. This is real. This is realer than we can 
possibly imagine right now. And we have to wake up. This is some notes from, from Vladimir Putin. My address concerns the events in Ukraine and why this is so important for us, for Russia. Of course, my message is also addressed to our compatriots in Ukraine. The matter is very serious and needs to be discussed in depth. The situation in Donbass, which is those two provinces, has reached a critical acute stage. I'm speaking to you directly today, not only to explain what is happening, but also to inform you of the decisions being made, as well as potential further steps. I would like to emphasize again that Ukraine is not just a neighboring country for us. It is an inalienable part of our own history, culture, and spiritual space. These are our comrades, those dearest to us, not only colleagues, friends, and people who once served together, but also relatives, people bound by blood, by family ties. Since time immemorial, the people living in the southwest of, of what has historically been Russia, Russian land, have called themselves Russians and Orthodox Christians. This is Vladimir Putin saying that they used to be called Christians. This was the case before the 17th century, when a portion of this territory rejoined the Russian state and after. You can put slide eight back up. So I will start with the fact that the modern Ukraine was entirely created by Russia, or to be more precise, by Bolshevik communist Russia. This process started practically right after 1917 revolution, and Lenin and his associates did it in a way that was extremely harsh on Russia. By separating and severing what is historically Russian land, nobody asked the millions of people living there what they thought. Then both before and after the Great Patriotic War, Stalin incorporated in the USSR and transferred to Ukraine some lands that previously belonged to Poland, Romania, and Hungary. In the process, he gave Poland part of what is traditionally German land as compensation. And in 1954, Khrushchev took Crimea away from Russia for some reason and also gave it to the Ukraine. In effect, this is how the territory of modern Ukraine was formed. Despite all these injustices, lies, and outright pillage of Russia, it was our people who accepted the new geopolitical reality that took shape after the dissolution of the USSR and recognized the new independent states. Not only did Russia recognize these countries, but helped its partners even though it faced a very dire situation itself. This included our Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukrainian colleagues, who turned to us for financial support many times from the very moment they declared independence. Our country provided this assistance while respecting Ukraine's dignity and sovereignty. And if you look, the only thing that he's trying to do right now is to protect those little provinces. These here that are, that are saying we want help. He is marching from, this is the site where Chernobyl is, to Kiev, but he's trying to take out strategic points so that they don't destroy his army in, in it. The way the press is reporting this 
it, it reminded me of, of a story that Perry Stone was telling when he was talking about Israel and how they, they go on yearly trips to Israel and certain parts of Israel are reserved and set aside for this war. So they have the war and then, then they do it, you know, they do it in a couple hours in the morning and the rest of the day, everything's fine. There are differing reports that are coming out saying that nothing is actually going on in the Ukraine. They're saying that the, the photographs have been faked. They're from 2018, 2020. They're from different disasters that have taken place. They're saying that some of these people are staged. They're, they're not real. And what we're being fed in our media is completely false. So we have to be careful at what we're, we're looking at, what we're seeing, what we're taking, and dig deeper to find out what the real story is behind the things that are going on. It's sad. It's sad when you think about this because there's no one that we can trust who will tell us the truth other than the Holy Spirit. So, long story short, with Ukraine, Ukraine is in debt to Russia for $250 billion. And Putin is saying, I don't care about this $250 billion. We just want you to have what you want. We want you to be an independent state like you want to be, but we don't want you harming the Christians. And to the degree that you're trying to disrupt that and harm the Christians, we're going to stop it. We don't want the Christians harm because they're crying out, they're reaching out to us for help. So if you if you notice some of the things that they're showing um, with Russia and the troops, they're being very careful not to damage things that are of historic nature, historic value within inside of Ukraine. But this is not the picture that's being painted to us. And again, remember, he has a vast military arsenal. If his goal was to completely take over Ukraine, he would have brought way more than 150,000 troops. He, he just would have. They're trying to say at this point in time that he's frustrated with the troops and they're not making enough advances and they're not taking over and they're, the, the troops that are coming against him are not, um, are not strong enough to beat the Ukrainians. He's being very careful, very calculated in his approach because he doesn't want to start World War III himself. In exchange for newly independent states had to hand over to Russia part of the sovereign foreign assets, an agreement was made to this effect was reached with Ukraine in December of 1994. However, Kiev failed to ratify these agreements and later simply refused to honor them by making demands for a share of the diamond treasury, gold reserves, as well as former USSR property and other assets abroad. Nevertheless, despite all these challenges, Russia always worked with Ukraine in an open and honest manner, and as I have already said, with respect for its interests. At the same time, the Ukrainian authorities, I would like to emphasize this, 
began by building their statehood on the negation of everything that united us, trying to distort the mentality and historical memory of millions of people, of entire generations living in Ukraine. It is not surprising that the Ukrainian society was faced with the rise of far-right nationalism, which rapidly developed into aggressive Russophobia and neo-Nazism. There is a group that's tied to the Ukrainians that is here in the United States and that's here in Canada. It's called AZOC, A-Z-O-C. And they are doing some brutal murders around the world. And they are Islamic. They, they, they just don't care. And, and what we as Americans don't understand about this is they are trying to bring back their Messiah. They are trying to bring back their leader, the Mahadi, so that he can take over the whole world. This is what this is all about. So while the world is looking for one world government and one world religion, the enemy is using this to tie the Muslims into this. And they're like, yeah, we want one world government, one world religion, and it's all going to be under Allah. It's all going to be under Islam. And Russia right now is the lone force saying, this isn't right. We need to not do this. A role was played. A role in this was played by external forces which used a ramified network of non-government organizations and special services to nurture their clients in Ukraine and to bring their representatives to the seats of authority. And you can go to the next slide. Anyone ever heard of George Soros? He is a multi-multi-billionaire. Uh, he has so much money, he can do whatever he wants to do. And he was the one who was behind the coronavirus is behind all of the other viruses that they're trying to generate because he wants to take over the world for himself. And it's not something where he's serious about it. This is just like, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to do this. This is my, my play. I want to control nations. I want to control countries. George Soros started these non-government organizations in Ukraine. Listen at what happened. Soros's influence in Ukraine kicked off in 1989, two years before the collapse of the USSR, when, he's, when he was creating a series of non-government organizations. The most notable was, April, was in April 1990, when the International Renaissance Foundation, a part of the Open Society Foundation's international network, was established by, in Kiev. Ukraine was still a struggling part of the Soviet Union at the time. Soros' influence would only grow in 1991, onwards when the country became fully independent. The IRF was disconnected from reality and worked only with the NGO organizations, whose leaders were busy networking with Western embassies rather than engaging with citizens. Detractors rebuked the narrow patronage network of the non-government organizations, where leadership used access to domestic policymakers and Western donors to influence public policies, yet were out of touch with the public at large. The IRF became the biggest international donor to Ukraine 
by 1994 with an annual budget of $12 million, which it claims were for projects that ranged from retraining tens of thousands of decommissioned soldiers to the creation of Contemporary Arts Center in Kiev, named the Soros Center for Contemporary Arts. Today, it's said that Ukraine totals $7.8 million, with a reported spending breakdown of 42%, going toward democratic practice and human rights, 24% to health and rights, 15% to justice system reforms, and the rest split between economic governance and advancement, education and equity, and anti-discrimination. Soros has spent over $180 million in Ukraine since 1991. And he's not telling them to serve God. He's not telling them to be uh, good citizens and good, good people. The same organization that started Black Lives Matter is funding all of these hate groups that are going around in the United States is funded by George Soros. It's tied together. And the whole world right now is, is coming against Russia, but they're not seeing all of the pieces that are fitting together and how they have been tied together behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. And you have to dig to find this information out. Vladimir Putin says, Radical nationalists took advantage of the justified public discontent and saddled the maiden protests, escalating it to a coup in 2014. So up until 2014, in Ukraine, there was a government that was working with Russia that was trying to get things done. In 2014, the country flipped to 10% Muslims who are controlling everything that's going on in Ukraine. They also had direct assistance from foreign, foreign states According to reports, the U.S. Embassy provided $1 billion a day, $1 million a day, to support the so-called protest camp on Independence Square in Kiev. In addition, large amounts were impudently transferred directly to the opposition leader's bank accounts, tens of millions of dollars, but the people who actually suffered, the families of those who died in the clashes provoked in the streets and squares of Kiev, in other cities, how much did they get in the end? Better not ask. All of these uh, riots that take place here in the United States, they are pushed and propelled and funded by George Soros and his groups and his people. It's not organic, meaning it's not people who are really upset about what's going on. They drop, they bust people in to these areas in groups. And they cause them to go out and stir the people up. Hey, you should be mad about this. You should be mad that this guy got killed who was attacking the cops. It's, 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 their, it's the cops' fault. The cops shouldn't have shot him. You should be mad. Let's burn the city down. This is not just hitting the United States. It's all over the world. This guy is doing this all over the world. The nationalists who have seized power have unleashed a persecution, a real terror campaign against those who oppose their anti-constitutional actions. Politicians, journalists, and public activists were harassed and publicly humiliated. A wave of violence swept across Ukrainian cities 
including a series of high-profile and unpunished murders. One shudders at the memories of the terrible tragedy in Odessa, where peaceful protesters were brutally murdered, burned alive in the House of Trade Unions. The criminals who committed that atrocity have never been punished, and no one is even looking for them. But we know that their name, we know their names, and we will do everything to punish them, find them, and bring them to justice. And you know what? This reminds me of what President Trump said when he first got into office, because he was very upset with the MS-13 gangs that were running up and down the United States, killing, murdering, and nothing was happening to these people, and they were running drugs. So I understand even more now why President Trump and Putin have similar mindsets. Because they're out to protect their people. They're not in this for money. They're not in this for fame or fortune. They're trying to protect their people. And the things that these globalists want to do is destroy what's right and institute what's wrong. And everybody's okay with it. Everybody's laying down saying, oh, this is nice. And it's, 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 uh, it's wonderful. This is going to be a utopian Everybody loves each other's society, and it's not going to be that way. We are, we are stepping ourselves closer and closer to the, the fourth kingdom in Daniel 7, where all of the world together is joined in one force. And what's the next step with that? We start coming against Israel. The whole entire world starts coming against Israel. This, this is what all of this is building up to. Go to the slide 11, Nancy. This here is a picture of the the NATO nations. These here that are in blue. This is the Russian border. And this is Ukraine. Ukraine has been asking, begging, to be put inside of the NATO nations. And Russia has been saying no. Because they know that they have nuclear capabilities. Ukraine has nuclear capabilities. Let's talk about that for a second. The news reporters went crazy when Putin said, we've put our nuclear systems on high alert. What he meant was, we're trying to defend ourselves so that we get early warning if a nuclear attack is set against us. What the press has told us is, he's getting ready to fire off nuclear weapons. It's not true. It's not true. So again, he, he's got the, he has a bad history. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from that. He's not saying, you know, forgive him for that. But at this point in time today, from 1991 up until now, he's trying to protect his people. And we're the ones that are, that are mixed up with what we're telling the people. So NATO has a pact, an agreement that they're supposed to protect their countries that are in their territories. Russia is not a part of NATO, but for some reason they're able to, they've made a negotiation with NATO that if something happens where their borders are threatened, NATO has to step in and stop it from happening. NATO's not doing that. Over the past few years, military contingents of NATO countries 
have been almost constantly present on Ukrainian territory under the pretext of exercises. The Ukrainian troop control system has already been integrated into NATO, and this means that NATO headquarters can issue direct commands to the Ukrainian armed forces. So, Ukraine is not a part of NATO, but Ukraine is controlling the armies. Sorry, NATO is not a, Ukraine is not a part of NATO, but NATO can control the armies of the Ukrainians. Now, what kind of sense does that make? It, it makes none whatsoever. Ukraine should have its own army and should be in control and in charge of it, not being controlled by those other European nations that are there. France and, and Poland and Germany shouldn't be telling the Ukrainians, go ahead. So, again, Russia's trying to defend itself against an attack, a possible attack. You know how they were destroying all the monuments and they're still trying to destroy all the monuments here in the United States? A monument to Alexander Suvorov was recently demolished in Poltava. What is there to say? Are you renouncing your own past? The so-called colonial heritage of the Russian Empire will in this case be consistent. International documents expressly stipulate the principle of equal and indivisible security which includes obligations not to strengthen one's own security at the expense of the security of other states. This is stated in a 1999 Charter for European Security adopted in Istanbul in 2010, Estancia Declaration. In other words, the choice of pathways towards ensuring security should not pose a threat to other states, whereas Ukraine joining NATO is a direct threat to Russia's security. A number of NATO member states are still very skeptical about Ukraine joining. We are getting signals from some European capitals telling us not to worry, since it will not happen literally overnight. In fact, our U.S. partners are saying the same thing as well. All right, then, we respond. If it does not happen tomorrow, then it will happen the day after tomorrow. What does it change from the historical perspective? Nothing at all. So, next slide. The current president of Ukraine is Vladimir Zelensky. These are some statements he's made over the last two years. President, Ukraine, president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, decided to make the two main holidays of the Islamic religion, Kurban Bayram and Urazi Bayram, public holidays in the country. On Monday, May 18th, said the press service of the Office of the Ukrainian Leader. The corresponding agreement, as stated in the message, was reached during a meeting of Zelensky with the representatives of the Crimean Taters. In addition, in a conversation with delegates from the Crimean Tater people, the Ukrainian president said that their community should be represented at the highest diplomatic level. Highest diplomatic level. In this regard, the candidacy of Emin, cannot say that name, was agreed to post the first deputy minister of foreign affairs of Ukraine. Next slide. Thought these would be more readable, I'm sorry. Islam Times. The official account of Ukrainian President Vladimir 
Zelensky on Twitter showed that he had unfollowed the accounts of all world leaders. Earlier, the Ukrainian president announced that he had discussed with his American counterpart, Joe Biden, the issues of sanctions against, against Moscow in providing concrete assistance to Kiev's forces facing a Russian war. In a videotape in which he appeared with his aides in front of the presidential residence, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky confirmed that he is in Kiev to defend Ukraine despite the advance of Russian forces. One of the biggest questions about Zelensky has been his connection with Igor Kolomoisky, a prominent oligarchy current worth $1 billion. Kolomoisky controls multiple assets across various sectors in Ukraine, including heavy industry, oil, gas, media, ferrous metals, and chemicals, agriculture, and air, air transport. In the years prior to Zelensky's presidency, Kolomoisky feared prosecution in Ukraine and resided in Switzerland and Israel. So he didn't even live in his own home country. Kolomoisky's media empire supported Zelensky during the election, and the two have had a close business and personal connection since 2012 with Zelensky's company, Kevertal95, signed a contract with Kolomoisky's media holding One Plus One for the production of sitcoms and films, most notably a comedy show also called Kevertal95. Kolomoisky has publicly acknowledged that he has continued to talk via telephone with Zelensky since his election, albeit rarely. During a televised debate two days before the vote, Zelensky vowed Kolomoisky would not get any preferential treatment during his presidency. If Kolomoisky breaks the law, he will go to jail. Kolomoisky's luck seemed to turn in 2019 following Zelensky's election. He returned home from exile and started winning a series of court cases related to the nationalization of Privet Bank, which he owns. There are more than 400 suits and countersuits related to Privet Bank in multiple jurisdictions, including Ukraine, the UK, Israel, the United States, and Switzerland, where the bank's new management is trying to prove large-scale fraud and obtain compensation from the oligarch and his multiple companies. In turn, Kolomoisky is claiming $2 billion from Ukraine for what he considers an unlawful nationalization or to grant him shares in a new, recapitalized bank. The National Bank has spent $5.5 billion propping up Privet Bank. He's another George Soros from this area. Doing these things. So to answer the question, is Zelensky clean? He's not. He's dirty. He is corrupted. And because he's corrupted, he is opening up his country to have all of these people come in and do their corruption. There's a tie between Zelensky and Joe Biden. There's a tie between Zelensky and, and Joe Biden's son, where money has been transferred into their accounts. The world is against the truth right now. And we need to understand all of these different things that are going on so that we can be on the right side of what God is doing. Does everyone understand everything that was talked about tonight, that was shared? 
Do you have a better picture of what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, and the rest of the world? Does this make sense? Can you see how we have to be in the spirit with everything, even with the news, so that we know what's really going on and we know how to pray? There are people in Ukraine. We we should be praying for the people of Ukraine. I'm I'm not against that. But we need to understand that the government is corrupted. And they're, they're working to this one world government system to try to destroy God's people. They're against the Christians. But there's, there's, no, there's no hiding it. There's multiple evidences all over the place. And, and we need to be aware and make sure that we're praying on the right side of what God wants us to be praying. 